G'day and happy Easter. My name is Jeff. It's my privilege to look with you this morning at Romans chapter 8, verses 29 to 39. Can I encourage you to have a Bible open in front of you? Let's pray and we'll ask God for his help. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your mercy and kindness to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he has died on that first Good Friday, risen again on that first Easter Sunday. And we thank you that through him we can have hope and confidence that, that our eternity is secure. Please fill us, this with, with, fill us with this confidence as we look at your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I reckon it's more than 20 years since I last sat an examination. It's been a long time. And yet to this day, I still have nightmares about exams. I wonder if you have this same nightmare in my dream. I'm a schoolboy, maybe year nine. I realise I have a maths exam on the next day. But I've done no study. And in fact, as I look through the textbook, I can't even remember having been in the course. I don't, I don't remember anything. I, I look through chapter after chapter and I don't understand even one thing. I have this terrible sense of panic. I'm not ready for this exam. Now, in reality, in my life, I've usually been pretty well prepared for exams. The most prepared I've ever been was at the end of first year at Bible college, I had to sit a Greek exam. Before I went to Bible college, I'd already completed two years of formal study in, in New Testament Greek. And then in first year Bible college, I did it all again. So by the time I got to the end of first year, and by the time I got to that exam, I was, I was brimming with confidence. I knew I'm not just going to pass this exam. I'm going to blitz this exam. I'm going to ace this exam. I'm going to absolutely smash this exam. I was, I was completely confident about it. Two very different feelings, aren't they? The, the anxiety of being unprepared versus the confidence of being fully prepared. Uh, I know exactly what it's going to take. Two, two vastly different feelings. Friends, let me ask you a question. And, and I want you to think in your mind... Which of these two feelings does this question give you? Which of these two feelings does this question give you? Uncertainty and anxiety, you don't know, you're not sure, or a calm confidence? Here's the question. You ready? Here's the question. Do you think you'll go to heaven when you die? Do you think when you die that God will accept you to, to be with him in heaven? I, I sometimes ask people this question, people who I get to meet at parties or something like that, and, and, and do you know the answer that most people give? I, I ask, do you, do you think you'll go to heaven when you die? And they answer, most people, they answer, I hope so. I hope so. And from there, the next question to ask is pretty obvious. What makes you hope so? On what are you basing this hope of yours? Why do you think God would let you into heaven? 
To which most people reply, well, well, I've, I've, I've tried to live a good life. I try to look after my family. I try to do the right thing. I, I try not to do really bad things. But then, of course, the next question that flows from that is this. Do you think you've been good enough? How do you know what the standard is? How do you know what the pass mark is in this examination to get into heaven? Do, do, do you think you've been good enough? Have you done enough? To which most people answer, I don't know. I, I hope so, but I don't know. Friends, if there is life after death, if there are such places as heaven and hell, if we will, in fact, exist for eternity, if this life is just a drop in the ocean of our existence and continuing life, well then, this is a vitally important question, isn't it? I mean, what could be more important than knowing where you're going to spend the rest of forever? This is the, this is the ultimate thing you need to be prepared for. So how distressing to not know. How distressing to not be prepared. I mean, if we get anxious about passing a maths exam, we ought to be way more anxious about this. We ought to be in a full-on panic about it. This is the worst nightmare you can possibly imagine, to be unprepared for forever. But friends, this Easter I have happy news for you. It is possible to be certain that you're going to heaven when you die. It's possible to be sure about it. It's possible to be confident about it. But the thing is this. It's not because of anything we've done. We can't be good enough ourselves. It's not because we've been good enough to get to heaven. No, no. It's all because of Easter. It's all because of what Jesus did on that first Easter, because of what Jesus did. That's why we can be confident. Now, we're looking today at, at a, a letter in the Bible. It's written by an early Christian. His name was Paul. Uh, Paul wrote the letter to a church in Rome, and so we call the letter Romans. We're in chapter 8 of Paul's letter, and in this chapter, the Apostle Paul, he's been... He's been talking about how God has done everything it takes to save us from hell and give us a place in heaven. God has done it all from, from beginning to end. From, 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 from even before we were born, God already knew us. God already predestined us, chose us. Uh, God called us. If you're a Christian, God called you to put your faith in Jesus. And God has forgiven you and justified you. He's declared you not guilty. He's, he's declared you to be in right relationship with him. If you're a Christian in Christ, you can be sure you are foreknown, you are predestined, you are called, you are justified, and you can know that with absolute certainty that you will be glorified. A place in glory, a place in heaven is yours. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Have a look with me. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. 
And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. From beginning to end, God has done everything it takes for us to be in heaven with him. And Paul now, he, he talks now about how we should respond to this excellent reality. And what he says is this. He says we can respond with confidence. We can have assurance. We can be certain that a place in heaven is ours. First, Paul asks a question. If God is on our side, who can defeat us? Who can oppose us? Who can stand against us? And the answer, of course, no one. No one can beat God. If God is for you, if God is on your team, if God is on your side, no one can stand against you. Nothing can stop God from saving you. Verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? No one can oppose us. Second, second, Paul says, we can be sure that God will give us all things. In context, he will foreknow us, predestine us, call us, justify us, glorify us. He will do everything that we need to stick with Jesus now and finally he will give us a place in heaven. Paul says we can be sure that God will give us everything because he's already given us the biggest thing. Paul uses here what's called in Latin an a fortiori argument and all the stronger argument, a, a, a how much more argument. The way it works is something like this. Imagine, imagine, uh, imagine that I can lift this 30-pound weight. Let's have a look. Oh, I hope I'm not going to hurt myself. Okay, imagine I can lift this 30-pound weight. You ready? Oh, okay, there it is. I can lift 30 pounds. I can lift 30 pounds. So now the question is this. Now the question is this. Can I lift this one-pound weight? Can I? Answer? Of course I can. Of course I can. If I can lift 30 pounds, all the stronger I can lift one pound. Uh, much more, I can lift one pound. A fortiori, I can lift one pound. I can definitely lift one pound, no doubt about it. I've already proved it by, by lifting the big weight. All right. Have a look with me at verse 32 and, and think to yourself, what's, what's the 30-pound weight? What's the big thing that God has already done? And then what's the one pound weight? What's the little thing that God can definitely do? Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? What, what's the big thing that God has done? What's the, what's the 30 pound weight? Giving Jesus to die for us on that first Good Friday, not sparing Jesus from the cross. I mean, that is massive, isn't it? God gave his beloved son on that first Good Friday. He did not spare his own son. Since eternity, God has passionately adored his son. The father and the son have always been in perfect relationship, glorious, eternal harmony. But for the sake of giving us a place in heaven, God didn't even spare his son. It is the biggest thing imaginable. 
So now, now that God's done that big thing, what's, what's the little thing he can definitely do? What's the one pound weight? Can you see it in verse 32? Along with Jesus to graciously give us all things. Compared to giving Jesus to die for us, giving us everything else, it's nothing to God. It's, it's, it's dead easy. It's a sure thing. In Christ, no one can stop you from going to heaven. Having given Jesus to die for us, God will definitely give us all things. He will definitely give us a place in heaven. If God is for us, no one can be against us. If God didn't spare his own son, he will definitely give us all things. Uh, next, uh, third, Paul tells us that in Christ there can be no charge against us. No accusation that anyone brings against us will stand. And why? Well, this is where Easter Sunday comes into it. No accusation against us can stand because Jesus has risen from the dead. He is alive. He is now at the right hand of God and he is, Paul says, interceding for us he is speaking to god on our behalf you can you can picture the scene uh, the devil might accuse us other people might accuse us they, they might say to god look at what this person did look at the wrong things they've done you 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 should not accept this person into heaven he deserves to face your judgment but jesus is there at god's right hand saying to god uh-uh. I died and rose again for this one. The price for this one is paid. Jesus is interceding. And so no accusation against us can stand. Verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. You know, when I think of Jesus, I usually think of, of what he did back in the time of the Bible 2,000 years ago. I think, of him, I think of him dying on that first Good Friday or I think of him rising again on that first Easter Sunday. I think, I think of it as something that happened way back in history. But can you see here, this isn't just history. This isn't just something that happened a long time ago. This is contemporary. Jesus is risen now. Je Jesus is alive today. And he's not, he's, he's, he's not relaxing on the couch watching Netflix. He's not bludging. He's not doing nothing. No way. The, the, the living, risen Jesus is busy. He is busy at the right hand of God, interceding for his people right now. That's a brilliant thing to remember on Easter Sunday, don't you reckon? Jesus rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. That's, that's superb. But it's even better than that. Because right now, Jesus is alive and he is ensuring that what he did for us back then will benefit us right now. Right now, today, no accusation against us can stand. And so, finally, the Apostle Paul goes on to say, there is nothing that can separate us from God. 
If Jesus is our risen, living Saviour, there is nothing that can keep us out of heaven. Uh, Paul quotes from Psalm 44 uh, to show us that, um, that, that God's people are going to have it tough here on earth. We are going to face hard things, tough times. But Paul says, no amount of tough times here on earth can separate us from the living Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. In him we are, he says, more than conquerors. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Psalm 44, no. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Nothing on earth can separate us from Jesus and his love. And neither can anything else, anywhere else, at any time, ever. In Jesus, we're not going to barely make it to heaven. We're not going to get 51% in this exam. We're not going to almost lose the battle but just squeeze through. No, in Jesus, Paul says, we're, we're, we're more than conquerors. This is not just a win for us. This is an absolute thrashing. 100% in this exam. Victory is easy. Victory is assured. The risen Jesus is holding on to us and nothing anywhere ever can ever even go close to making him let go verse 37 in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us for i'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of god that is in christ jesus our lord Can you see what's here in this passage? Jesus has died and risen again for us. He is now alive and at the right hand of God interceding for us. And so we can be confident. We can be certain. We can be sure. God is for us. No one can be against us. No one can stop us. The God who gave his son to die for us will surely give us all good things and bring us to heaven. No accusation against us can stand and nothing can ever separate us from God's love. All right. Let's think about applying this passage to ourselves. Friends, friends, I don't think there's anything for us to do in response to this passage. Not if you're relying on Jesus to give you a place in heaven. I should say, if you're here today and you're not relying on Jesus, you, you, you definitely need to do that. You need to pray to God. You need to talk to God. Just talk and God will hear you. Tell God that you know you cannot get yourself to heaven. Uh, thank God that Jesus died and rose again on that first Easter. Thank, you, thank God that Jesus is alive. And, and, and ask God to forgive you and to give you a place in heaven because of what Jesus has done. Ask Jesus to be your interceder, your saviour, your king. Friend, if you haven't done that, you desperately need to do it right now. Right now. You really, really do not want to stand before God on judgment day unprepared. You don't want to be unprepared to face the devil's accusations. You don't want to be unprepared to face the judgment of God. You do not want to stand before God on your own. Do, please. Put your faith in the living, risen Jesus. 
but if you are relying on Jesus. Well, friend, the, the application of this passage is not so much about what you should do. It's, it's, more about, it's, it's more about how you should feel. Our church, our church is part of Sydney North Presbytery. It's the group of churches that we are part of. And the clerk of Sydney North Presbytery is a man by the name of Professor Rodney Yeager. Now, Rod is an excellent Presbytery clerk, but for him that's, that's just a hobby. Uh, Rod's, Rod's job and his real passion is that he is a professor of mathematics at Macquarie University. Now, here's a picture of Rod receiving the 2018 Macquarie University Leadership and Citizenship Award. Uh, that's Rod there on the right. Now, Rod's specialty is prime numbers. Uh, he spends his days researching and trying to find a pattern by which you can predict where you will find prime numbers and whether they go on and on and on to infinity. Now, I once made the mistake of asking Rod about what he does, about his work. Uh, after hearing about an hour of, of hearing about the amazing ingenuity of God and, and, and the extraordinary patterns that he has created for prime numbers and all, all, all the wonderful things that they do. I, I was ready to sleep for a month. Or, or I remember another time uh, we were in Presbytery and uh, someone moved a motion and there were, um, there were 28 votes for this particular motion. And Rod, out of the blue, decided to give us this lecture on the beauty of the number 28. Now, apparently, the number 28 is a perfect number. A, if you're interested, a positive integer that is equal to the sum of its positive divisors, excluding the number itself. Uh, apparently, according to Rod, that is only one of the many wonders of the number 28. Anyway, hopefully, uh, hopefully you're getting the idea. Uh, this bloke, this bloke knows his maths. Uh, this bloke makes other maths professors look like dunces. Uh, let alone maths teachers, and certainly let alone year nine maths students. So, so imagine with me for a moment. Let's, let, let's put ourselves back into my nightmare that I talked about at the beginning. It's, it's the day before my year nine maths exam. I haven't done any study. I, I, it's quite possible I haven't even done the course. I'm about to fail most miserably. But now, in our imagination, let's, let's insert Professor Jaeger into my dream. In my dream, I'm not left alone to sit this exam. Uh, Professor Jaeger, he is allowed to sit next to me in the exam as my personal tutor and helper. It's not a nightmare anymore, is it? With, with Professor Jaeger by my side, I am on course to get the best exam mark in my whole life. I am going to pass with flying colours, summa cum laude. I, I, I'll probably get 200% in this exam, or maybe 199% because that's a prime number. Anyway, do you get the picture? I'm going to be more than a conqueror. And do you know what? Do you know how it makes me feel? I feel just grand about it. I'd be happy to sleep all day to enjoy this dream.
Friends, as we go through this life, we don't have to be alone. As we stand before God on Judgment Day, we don't have to be alone. We don't have to face that examination alone. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Jesus is interceding for his people. He is helping us. Friends, nothing and no one can stop Jesus from saving you. No one can say that his sacrifice is not enough to cover every single one of your sins, no matter what you have done. No one can stand against us in Christ. No one can beat Jesus. No one can stop Jesus. Nothing can ever separate you from God's love in Jesus. Anything that tries to will lose, and not just lose, they will be smashed. In Jesus, you are more than a conqueror. So how should that make you feel? Well, I have to say, it, it, it makes me feel humble. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't deserve any of this. There's no way I could have passed the exam on my own. It, it makes me feel thankful. How can, I, how can I ever thank God enough for saving me? How can I ever thank Jesus enough for living and dying and rising again and now interceding for me. So kind, so wonderful. Makes me feel humble, makes me feel thankful. But more than anything, do you know what, friends? It makes me feel confident. Not confident in myself. It's not like my Greek exam where I did well by myself. I'm not thinking that I'm good enough to get into heaven. I'm never going to be good enough to get into heaven. But, but Romans, makes, Romans 8 makes it clear. It's, it's, it's like I'm sitting in a maths exam that I'll fail on my own, but I'm sitting in this maths exam with my own personal maths professor sitting next to me giving me the answers. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. That's why I'm confident. And, and Because when it comes to Jesus, well, there's every reason to be confident, isn't there? And that's, it's, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to know that nothing can separate me from God's love. It's a good feeling to know that no accusation against me can stand. It's a good feeling to know that my place in heaven is secure. Friends, I hope you know that good feeling yourself this Easter humble, thankful confidence that can only be found in the risen, living Jesus. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you did not spare your own son, but gave him up for us on that first Good Friday. We thank and praise you that you have raised Jesus from the dead, and he's now seated at your right hand, interceding for us. Thank you that because of Jesus, nothing can stand against us. You will definitely give us all things. No accusation against us can stand and nothing can separate us from your love. Heavenly Father, help us to believe this and fill us with, with a profound confidence, a humble, thankful confidence in Jesus. Help us to have this not just at Easter, but every day. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.